0: All the mothers out there, stuff. So that was kind of, uh, we did that kids uh, president video a couple years ago and I was kind of looking through uh, Mother's Day videos and I said, ah, oh, let's do kids presidents again. Uh, so uh, thank you for being here tonight. Um, it's beautiful weather out, gorgeous day yesterday. It's finally hit 80 degrees. So how many people have turned on their air conditioning? nah, just turn, open up the windows, open up the windows and stuff. But I'd like to certainly welcome you here tonight. Uh, Mark is not here. He was to perform a wedding in Iowa. But just a quick update on Selena, their uh, foster child. or um, They're going through the adoption now. Uh, she is in the hospital. She was admitted uh, Tuesday of this week uh, with uh, respiratory problems, uh, uh, one of her—they believe right now one of her medications has settled and caused pancreatitis, so uh, she's ventilated right now, which is able to help her breathe, so she can get some much-needed rest. So hopefully they can get that under control, and she's on her road uh, to healing and stuff. But pray, especially for uh, Jennifer. She's been up at the hospital probably since Tuesday. You know. Um, 24 hours. She's actually living at the hospital right now with Selena. Uh, Mark is with her. He did not go to Iowa. He found someone to do the wedding that he was scheduled to do in Iowa for him so he could be home with his family. So uh, continue on their prayers. We'll actually all pray as a group later when we do prayers of the people. Uh, Tonight, just a couple of announcements. Um, Whitney wanted me to tell you that uh, our new life Uh, events board, Uh, if you go out these doors there's a bulletin board right there anything that's going on with new life any upcoming events is gonna be on that bulletin board it had been in the past just kind of a hodgepodge of stuff that's been going on in the building but we kind of took over that board uh, to keep you uh, informed of upcoming things with new life Um, any sign-up sheets and we're gonna be handing out, uh, passing around sign-up sheets tonight for a couple things and I'll uh, briefly talk about that in a little bit. Uh, This bulletin board is anything going on with our kids' experience and also mission opportunities. So uh, keep looking on there, Charlie's usually pretty good about putting mission opportunities and tonight it's gonna be kind of a mission night because we're gonna uh, hear from Mary Pulliam who is, uh, the, uh, church relations, director of church relations. Director of church
1: relations.
0: Director of church relations for One Body Collaborative. Uh, she was very instrumental in an organization before that called Love Inc. Uh, we became aware of you probably about two years ago, maybe a little over two years ago. And we started a conversation with her, uh, about some mission opportunities in our area that our church could be involved in. And she made us aware of something called the Paper Angel Closet, and that we've kind of taken that on as a church uh, and been able to support that, uh, been able to reach out, um, not only through appointments with the organization of One Body Collaborative, but we've expanded it into the schools. Uh, Last year, we helped over 200 families, 200 individuals. And so we're well on our way to about 300 people that we've been able to directly help with the supplies, the paper goods, personal care items, and cleaning supplies that we stock in our closet. So uh, much needed um, uh, help in our area uh, through that, through uh, our paper angel closet that we've been able to make an impact with. Um, uh, Clipboards are gonna be handed out and going around, Brad's got them. We do need uh, people to sign up to help with our kids' Olympics which is coming up May 21st, Saturday, May 21st, uh, from 3.30 to 5.30. We really wanna reach out to our neighborhood and uh, any kids, Uh, what was the age limit? I never, Brenda, age limit? So 57 is fine. (laughs) (laughs) I could do the ring toss and and the javelin throw. With pool noodles, we collected pool noodles, so that's going to be our javelin throw. Uh, so that's coming up May twenty-first, but we need we do need some uh, help on a couple of games. So uh. okay, okay, great. So and another clipboard that'll be going around is we we're gonna bring back the movies in the park uh, where. The uh, the Moors actually live over here by this park um, Friday nights, we're going to do it Two Friday nights each month during the summer Where we just get together Maybe cook some hot dogs uh, Pop some popcorn and watch a movie You know, as a neighborhood I know the first one that we did We had 18 people from the neighborhood Come and just spend time, time with New Life We were able to, you know, kind of talk to people We actually did a Paper Angel closet collection At the first one Very cool so, uh, to help out with our closet. So it's been a good way to reach out to our neighborhood. Uh, at this time, I'd like to introduce Mary Pulliam, and she's gonna actually uh, tell you a little bit about the organization of One Body Collaborative, and I think you're gonna kind of give a history, a brief history of...
1: Is that what I'm gonna do? Well, I don't no. know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna shut off my mic and <laughs> turn it over to you. But first, what I wanna do is pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here tonight uh, that we can be in mission uh, for your church. Um, be, be with us tonight as we continue to uh, hear what you have to say through us uh, to give us a desire to reach out to those uh, in need um, and also desperately need a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm-hmm.
1: amen. Good evening, everybody. So, um, my name is Mary Polium, and I am Director of Church Relations at One Body Collaboratives. It's a big mouthful, right? So you can just call me Mary, which would be fine. Um, I'm here tonight to talk to you a little bit about what our ministry does. And so what I'm going to do is, I've got about 20 minutes, which is kind of nice for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of give you a quick picture of what we are, and then I'm going to tell you a couple of stories, because I'm a storyteller by nature. So, What we are is, that a long time ago, we started out as Love Inc. And we kept, when we became one body, we kept something that was very precious to us and we felt very important to our community, which was a phone ministry. What we are is we're a clearinghouse. And what we do there is we listen to people who are calling us who are in trouble. Now, we hear from people three different sources. One is from agencies and social services and different sort of parts of the community that have heard that this is how churches can reach out to people in need. The second way that we hear about people is, is that we have referrals from friends or neighbors or maybe they've been helped by us before. And then the third way that we have phone calls come to us is from folks just like you. You have somebody who shows up at your door and you don't know who they are. Or maybe it's a member of your own congregation, and you hear that they're in trouble and you know that it's just too big for you and you're not quite sure where the resources are in the community. And so people call us and we have a conversation. Now we have about 90 different churches that belong to the one-body ministry. And what happens is, is that we have volunteers that come and listen on the phone from those churches. And they are having an interview. They have a conversation with every person who calls. And we are looking for three things in order to get our job done on behalf of the church. The first thing we're looking for is to make sure that when somebody asks us for something, that we have knowledge of what the resources are in the community so that we do not ask a church to duplicate what's already being done. The second thing that we're looking for is, is it manageable? So... One of the real common things is we get a phone call um, Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock that their electricity is gonna be turned off the next morning and they would like to have $750. That's unmanageable. Churches are not emergency services and it takes us time just like it would take you time to fix something like that. And then the third thing is we wanna be able to verify. And before you tag me for being just a meanie who is looking for people to tell me stories, What I'm talking about in verification is to make sure that what the person is asking for is appropriate. So let me give you an example. We had somebody call, and he wanted $100, which was pretty reasonable. He needed about two weeks' worth of food. He was feeding about three or four people in the house. Very reasonable, right? In our conversation, as we asked him questions and went through his his history, we found out that the reason that he wasn't getting food stamps was because he didn't have an ID. $20 ID or feed him for a couple weeks and then have to start all over again. So what we did was we found a way to fulfill the ID, which was really his problem, got him signed up for food stamps and got some food from churches and from pantries and a small food voucher and then filled in his need until everything else kicked in. So that's what we call verification. So when when a need can be verified, that we know that it's manageable and that no one else in the community is doing it, then we ask churches for help. One of the things that you folks do is you do the paper angel closet. This is a way that we can help people with small needs like personal needs items. And I want to tell you a story about somebody who called our clearinghouse so that you get an idea of how this all works. So about, I think it was about two years ago, we had a lady that I'll call Susie Snowflake call our office. She is a member, actually, of a local church that was fairly active with us. And one day while she was working at the church and doing volunteer stuff, she told somebody at the church that things were really bad. She didn't go into details, but the lady at the church says, why don't you call one body and see if they can do anything for you? So she called us. The volunteers started asking questions. And here is what came out of all the questions that we asked. This woman was probably in her late 40s, early 50s. She had two sons, one of whom had some mental problems, but both of them were in their late 20s, early 30s, and they were working. They, She had pushed and shoved until they both had jobs, and they were both able to take care of themselves. She'd done an excellent job. She'd even managed to put enough money together in her job at McDonald's to buy a little house, and she was doing pretty well until one day she fell into the fryer at McDonald's. She lost her balance, she started to develop vertigo and various kinds of balance problems, and over the course of about three months, it became obvious she could no longer work. So she stopped working and she started the very tedious process of applying for Social Security. Now her sons, who loved her very much, came home. They closed up their apartments, they came home, they pooled all their money, They, again, they sort of picked things back up and started to work together to try to solve their problems. And then another set of disasters struck. They still couldn't get, they had been told that they couldn't get food stamps. They were struggling with all of their bills. The jobs that the boys had weren't terrifically good, and one of them had child support to pay. And then one of them developed gallstones. And he went into the hospital, his medication cost a lot of money, And all of a sudden, what little sort of cushion that they had was gone. The next thing that happened was the other son developed bad teeth problems. He had an abscess that he couldn't get taken care of because he had no insurance at all. And now they've got another $1,000 bill that they cannot pay. For about two months, she was living on $5 a month for food and going to pantries. I have to tell you, that is the hardest thing in the world to do. You have no idea. It takes a tremendous amount of tough But she was at the end of her rope. She didn't know what to do. So when she called, here's what we figured out we could do for her. First of all, there's a community resource that was able to help her pay two months of mortgage, which got her out of trouble and got her back on that track. We found that her church was perfectly willing to help with the dental bill. They called the dentist, got the bill brought down, and paid the rest of it. Someone else helped to pay for some of the prescription medications for the one that had the gallbladder problem. In the meantime, it it became obvious there was no money for gas, there was no money for paper angels or for personal needs items, and so we signed her up for gas vouchers. We signed her up for a little class that we have called Image that has food vouchers and gas vouchers as part of uh, incentives for attending. We signed her up for all kinds of stuff. And things started to get better. She started, somebody worked on her Social Security for All this started to get better. But what I really am telling you all this for, all this stuff that churches did and that people did and that our community did, these are all great. But she called one day, and she talked to me, and she says, you know, she says, I don't want to sound dramatic. She says, I'm really not a dramatic person. She says, I have to tell you, it's this close to giving up. I was just so tired. I just couldn't do it anymore. And she says, I was lonely. And I didn't know who to tell, and I didn't know how to get the help, and I didn't know what to do. I want to tell you that the number one need I hear, it's not gas, it's not food, it's not money, it's none of that stuff. People are lonely. They don't have connections. And they don't trust. Now, remember, she was going to a church, but she didn't tell anybody. How bad this was! She was living on five dollars a month for groceries. People are lonely, and they don't know how to reach out for help or how to do things. When when you support the work of One Body, what you're doing is is you're helping the church listen to people who are struggling in our community. All kinds of struggles. Some of them are like hers, like Susie's, where you your heart just goes, "Oh my gosh, what a what a story." And then there are folks that are doing drugs. And then there are folks that are bouncing from place to place. And then there are folks who get evicted, I swear, every six months. So how do you help? What do we do? We don't like it, right? None of us like this. But how do we connect that power of churches, the power that's sitting here, how do we connect that with needs in the community? And what we believe at One Body is is that to do that, there needs to be a place where churches are empowered to do what they do best, which is to love people and to help people the best way that they know how. Not the best way I know how, but the best way you know how. One of the things that um, in this storytelling I'd like to tell you is a little of my story. Um, I am not a long-time Christian. I have only been a Christian since I was 45. And so when I walked into a church, I went unwillingly. My husband made me go. He pushed and shoved and would not quit. He nagged me for two years. He was a little more stubborn than I was because I finally gave in. And I went and I sat in the back of the church, and I didn't hear a word of what was being said because I was that mad. I liked sleeping late on Sunday morning. And so I wasn't really listening. And so for about a month as I sat there, I had a lot of time on my hand because I'm refusing to listen to the sermon and really kind of being kind of sulky about the whole thing if you want to know the truth. And I started to notice something that probably you all don't notice about yourselves is, is that we're a little bit different. We relate to each other in a different way. When I started to sit in that church, I heard people offering to fix things within the church. Somebody would come in and fix a step or put up a new mailbox or tack down the carpet. And then there was a woman that I can still remember I was so impressed with. Every Sunday after the coffee hour, she would take all the the washcloths and all the towels, she'd take them home and wash them and bring them back, all folded, and put them away. And then I started to notice that people were interested in my husband and me and my son and that they asked how my grandchild was doing, and they would ask how my mother-in-law, who was ill at the time, how she was doing. And they started to ask if we were doing okay and ask about my job. And I have to tell you, that's not done anywhere, hardly at all anymore. Small communities just really don't exist. We're it. We're who does this. We're the ones who love each other and care about each other. That's why you're sitting here. This is your church family. So how do we do that? How do we connect who we are to people who desperately need us? How do we do that? We believe that a good start is this idea of this central place where we are listening to all the needs and listening to all the resources and making a match. But we can't stop there. We have to go ahead and take that piece and start to imagine how we help people where they need to be helped. So it's it's toilet paper. It's paper towels. It's large-size clothing for women who are trying to get jobs because when you go to a thrift store, there are no large-size clothing. It's helping people get coats and shoes and making sure that kids can get the proper school supplies that they need. But it's also this other piece. It's not just stuff. Because truthfully, any stuff I give you is only going to last just a little while. That's not going to... I can give you a gas voucher. and get you to work for a couple of weeks. That's not going to take care of your problem. It's going to go away. The only thing I really have to give is this relationship I have with Jesus Christ that has changed me and a little piece of that that I can give to you. That's the only thing that really changes. And that when we take that to the table... We are doing something that agencies cannot do. You know, we've everybody talks about how there's no social network help anymore and all of that, and I agree, there's been a shameful cutting of programs that sometimes I worry about, because some of the most marginalized lose, and those that really need to help lose it. But I have to tell you, ultimately, all that's gonna go away. We who are Christians know that. It's not gonna last. That's stuff of this world, and it does not last. And also people in agencies, they know something that we sometimes forget. They will call me and they say, can you guys do anything? Because we can only help them for a year. We can only help them for three months. We can only help them until this happens. And then they're done. They can't go any further, but we can. We can keep helping. Part of what One Body is different than Love Inc. Is is that if you think of Love Inc., we were like a triage. Sort of bandaged people up and got them moving out the door. One body is starting with this concept that what we need is a long term care, sort of outpatient work with people. And to do that, we need churches that are engaged. We need people that are interested in helping to teach classes. We need people who are interested in helping us figure out how to get people jobs. We need employers that sit in our pews to be interested in teaching people how to apply for jobs and what kind of job skills they need. We need to help young families figure out how to make their kids' school stable and to help make them stable so that they can help their kids. These are all things that we can do because you know how I know that? We do this for our own families. We're doing this within our churches. People within churches have more successful lives. Have you noticed? We have lives that are more successful. Do you, do you think it's an accident or do you think it's because we support each other and love each other and listen to each other? I'm going to tell you something else I've noticed over the years. Very, very rarely do I have somebody who calls, unlike Susie, who says that they belong to a church and ask for help. If they really belong to a church, the church is their support in ways that sometimes they have families that are too broken to do it. They're just too broken. When when I took this job and when I became sort of enmeshed in this world, I was stunned at how we have no confidence in ourselves. We kind of look around at the small congregations we have and we look at the dwindling resources and we go, gosh, I don't know how we're going to do that. I'm telling you, we everything that I have had come into my life in the last 15 years wouldn't have come if I had not had a church family. I've had a husband die, I've had a daughter die, I have had a successful career. My managed to raise my son and get him into the military. I have done all kinds of things that I never dreamed would have happened, some of them heartbreaking, some of them wonderful. But I'm going to tell you, I couldn't have done it without my faith, without the people around me who cared about me. I know that you all know this about yourselves, but I want you to know that it is that that is my job. My job is to make ministry manageable for the local church, to find a way to help you do what needs to be done. As we go forward, I, I will tell you that we are looking to do some different things. We want to try, um, I was telling Jeff tonight, we want to try do something that we call Babies in Need, which is to set up a constellation of ministries that will help children and families, because we believe that's one of the foundational places where we can really interact and be powerful. I want to thank you. I, you know, I know that it's always really hard to have somebody different come and do your message. And I want to thank you guys, are really good listeners, very intent. <laughs> and to thank you so much for all that you've done already. You have participated in our ministry. You've hung with us when we made the transition from Love Inc. to One Body. And, I, and we cannot do it without any one of the churches. I am grateful for each and every one of you. And I thank you all. God bless you.
0: Thank you, Mary, for um, for the work that you do. Um, I remember our first conversation. You were you made it um, seem like you know a lot of times when the churches are on their own and they get all these requests coming in from all over the place. So you know about they need gas for a car. Or, you know they need their lights turned on and things like this. Especially when you're a small church, it becomes unmanageable and stuff. And I think. One of the first things you told me And it really sunk down and made sense Is we do that so the churches Can do what they do And that's to build the relationships With people To where you know, you kind of explain How the church made an impact in your life um, And that's so important A lot of times we, you know, we sit here And we say oh we don't have a lot of people here But we've got to remember Every person's here is here for a reason And it's the relationships that are here Because we're a community we're a community of believers. So I want to thank you. I want to applaud your work uh, through One Body Collaborative. I actually love Inc. before that, and then One Body Collaborative. And as we go forward with this relationship, um, hopefully we can change the world or help uh, transform the world. Um, so at this time, what I'd like to do, and Mark kind of sent an email, and I know some of you might not be prepared to do so, but if you could – um, actually, in the future or in future weeks, um, uh, make that we're going to take a collection for one body collaborative. Um, but if you weren't prepared to do so, uh, just get that to us. If it's a check, put it in the um, in the memo line and stuff, and then in, at you know we'll get that to you and stuff because we know that uh, um, your resources are limited too. So and. Takes money to keep the phones running and everything like that. So, uh, at that time, so actually at this time we want to take that offering so um, to go around. Um, Does anyone have any questions for Mary while she's here? Maybe this is a good opportunity for Mary to answer any questions.
1: Uh, Onebodycollaboratives.org. And then I'll be here for a little bit afterwards if you want to stop and ask me questions or find out more about it. It's my job, yeah. We are located up in Loves Park on the grounds of the old WQFL GSL radio station. Um, we make ourselves available to volunteers, obviously, but we try not to encourage folks looking for help to come because we don't have anything to give them. Everything we have comes from churches, and so I can pray for them and I could give them a cookie, but I really don't have anything to give them. So I kind of hate to make them come up to my office and waste their day, you know? I have, um, so we do a couple of different things. We have an informational meeting that we do, uh, we got one coming up in June where we talk about more specific ways that you can help. Um, I also have these little sort of postcards where if you're looking for it, more information I'll get it to you. Because everybody has a different idea of what they want to do. And so if I made lists for everything, I'd have a lot of paper. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like Mary said she'll hang out a little bit afterwards and um we have good coffee. I uh yes, we do. Yes, we do. And I haven't had any so if I fall asleep anytime soon. Um be with that. So, thank you again Mary, thank you for your work um that you do. Um let us respond to that um with Something, um, Mark kind of changed this for this week, and it's uh, we always do a responsive reading to our message. And, uh, and what we're going to respond with is the United Methodist uh, Church, uh, along with our Apostles' Creed, uh, we do the Nicene Creed, uh, other things. We also have a social creed. Uh, a social creed is what we believe in as a church. Um, and they're based on socials and the issues, or in the name, but so- social issues. And it's basically uh, to treat human beings with dignity. Um, uh, things like that, equal, you know, um, equal pay, equal job. Uh, the United Methodist denomination has been known for justice ministries. And this is where it comes from, is our social creed. So what we're going to do is we're going to respond uh, a responsive reading with this. Um, So uh, repeat with me. We believe in God, creator of the world, and in Jesus Christ, the redeemer of creation. We believe in the Holy Spirit, through whom we acknowledge God's gift, and we repent of our sin in misusing these gifts to idolatrous ends. We affirm the natural world as God's handiwork and dedicate ourselves to its presence, enhancement, and faithful use by humankind. We joyfully receive ourselves and others the blessing of community, sexuality, marriage, and the family. We commit ourselves to the rights of men, women, children, youth, young adults, the aging of the people with disabilities to the improvement of the quality of life and to the rights and dignity of all persons. We believe in the right for the glory of God and the good of themselves and others and in the protection of their welfare in so doing. In the rights to the property as a trust from God, collective bargaining and responsible consumption and in the elimination of equal and social distress. We dedicate ourselves to peace throughout the world, to the rule of justice and law among nations, and to individuals' freedom for all people of the world. We believe in the present and the final triumph of God's word in human affairs and gladly accept our commission to manifest the life of the gospel in the world. Amen. Amen. Can you see a lot of stuff in there? kind of covers a lot. It's a lot. Um, but a lot of that is what we, what we understand through teachings in the Bible. That we're supposed to care for one another. That we're not, um, we're not supposed to take advantage of other people So in our work. So um, at this time, I'd like to do prayers of the people. And uh, um, I'll start out with a prayer um, and just add a couple of things that we need to keep in prayer. Um, and then usually what we'll do is we'll, um, um, I'll say um, in, in, our Lord in your mercy, and then you'll respond, hear our prayer. And then there'll be a time where you can share out names and we just kind of do it popcorn style where people, uh,